You are tuned in to Awaken Radio with Connie Chapman. To listen to more episodes, go to ConnieChapman.com or subscribe on iTunes. Hi everyone, it's Connie here and welcome back to another episode of Awaken Radio. It is really nice to be back here with you. I had taken a little break from recording interviews and creating my own podcasts while I've been immersed in some big creative projects, some big long-term things that I'm I'm working on behind the scenes and creating and there's a lot of writing and thinking and downloading and heart storming and a lot of energy that's going into these creations in order to get them ready to share with the world. So I've just had to temporarily put a few other things on hold uh, and really go deep into bringing these things to life. But I'm excited to be back here on Awaken Radio with you. I've got a whole series of beautiful interviews lined up for you with some phenomenal women. And we're kicking it off today with Kate O'Brien. I first came across Kate's work on Facebook. I think I stumbled across one of her videos or live streams on Facebook and I was immediately impacted by her her honesty, her rawness, her vulnerability and her authenticity. This is a woman who has a very, very strong voice and she really stands for what she believes in and what she's passionate about and is really creating a ripple effect out there with the work that she's doing. So I feel very honored to have her on the show today and you are going to love this conversation. It is incredibly powerful. So for those of you who don't know Kate, she is a visionary and a global voice for bold leadership, playing it big and living from truth. She is a powerful stand for what's possible for humanity. Kate holds a strong space which calls people to move beyond their conditioned reality and patterns of smallness, stuckness and limitation to deeply own their truth and expand into their full potential. After coming through tremendous challenges, including drug addiction, anorexia, and depression, Kate became recognized as a national leader in her field as a registered nurse, speaking at international health conferences, being nominated for special regional health awards. But despite a thriving career, Kate decided to let it all go to pursue her calling of empowering billions globally to wake up and deeply own their power. She founded Game Changer Live, her two-day highly acclaimed transformational workshop, which is run through Australasia, Southeast Asia, and her three-month advanced breakthrough program, Game Changer High Performance. So I'm sure that you can hear through her bio there just how powerful uh, her work is and really the level that she's playing at. So You're going to get so much out of this conversation. It was a huge eye-opener for me. I had so many insights and realizations, and you're going to love her honesty and directness because she just tells it like it is. So let's dive into this week's episode. Hi, Kate. Welcome. How are you? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me here. I'm really excited to have you here because I see you as someone who is so real and honest and authentic in how you're sharing your messages, how you're living and breathing what you're teaching and the role model you're being for so many people today in a in a world of personal development where a lot of us are still wearing masks and are still being perfect and quite controlled you're just real and raw and honest and that's what I love about you so I'm really 
really excited to have you on the show and dive into a very real and honest chat with you. Um, as an entry point for, for maybe some of my audience who haven't come across you before or don't know about you and your journey, can you take us back to what has really brought you to where you are today? I know you've had a lot of personal challenges throughout your life and big things you've had to work through and transform. So I'd love to hear about some of those big defining moments in your life and how you've worked through them and how it's really brought you to being the teacher that you are today in your work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, just first time, I've been through a lot mm. and all of those things that I've been through have been just, I'm like now looking back, I'm super, super grateful for. At the time, it was painful. So, you know, I've experienced, I had anorexia for three years I had bulimia for I don't know, eight or nine years I had you know I've had depression I've um, been had a really um, bad drug addiction and social anxiety that I couldn't even you know I couldn't even talk to people and I was locked literally <laughs> it sounds literally um, you know I would leave my shed at times but pretty much for three years I really just stayed inside a shed um, that's where I lived inside of an actual tin shed mm. uh, and look it was it it was awful. And coming through that and actually being willing to go toe-to-toe as a result with everything that was within me that had caused that and created that, because, you know, stuff like that doesn't just happen by accident. I'd say, you know, maybe the person that I am today. And I am a real stand that people actually go there for what they need to go there for. And, but, you know, that was like the first part of my journey. I'd say, you know, like the kind of like latter sort of phase of my journey has been around not tolerating good. And actually, you know, funny, I just put a video out about it today, um, actually being a stand for having an extraordinary life if it calls to you. And I think sometimes what the biggest barrier of even an extraordinary life is a good life. The second part of my journey, I remember the second rock bottom was actually, you know, years after I got through all that and it really taken everything within me, I got the point to my life where I had a great nursing career. Um, I was traveling around the country working for um a government organization, teaching doctors, teaching nurses. I won awards for that um, pro- that project that I delivered. And, you know, it was like the height of ticking all of those boxes that we think we want to tick. And, you know, in comparison to where I was, like this is just a transformation. I had a marriage. We had a rental property business. Um, we had kids. And, you know, things felt really amazing. And then guess what? They also didn't. And I think that was a really frustrating thing is that, wow, I've worked my ass off to get here and I should be like, it should be really deeply satisfying, right? And I was happy on many levels, but I actually knew in my gut that if I didn't actually really make some significant shifts that on my deathbed looking back, I would have some very significant regrets. I think there's both ends of the spectrum that people are dealing with. Either it's actually getting out of survival, which I have done, but it's also not tolerating just not tolerating in life. And I think a lot of people are living a normal, expected, in-the-box type of life, whether it's in in marriage, whether it's in their career, whether it's in their passion. And a lot of it is just turned, like dialed down and almost like like life feels like a little bit in black and white. But what have I got to complain about? You know, things, you know, I should. I have got a good life. I live in the in the Western world. You know, what have I got to complain about? Well, actually, you know what? That also becomes a barrier to actually stepping up. 
And you touched on in both of those dark nights, those kind of struggle points, they're, they're needed for, for you to create change in both those moments, almost like some radical self-honesty and really facing what was going on. Because I think a lot of us are distracting, avoiding, running away, getting lost in the material world. And we're not really going deep into self-honesty of what's fully going on for us. Do you, do you see that as being a powerful starting point for creating change? Yeah, 100%. And that's not going to happen until at time, like something has to crack through because um, until that happens, we are like hypnotized by what's happening and we're numbed off to the pain. And that's the thing. I think most people are numb to the pain of their, of what's happening, whether it's in relationships. So let's say, say, let's say someone's in a marriage and they're disconnected from their partner. They're not having sex. They're not actually speaking the truth a whole lot of shit's going on underneath the surface that's not getting addressed at all. And they essentially feel um, like, I would just say it's a normal marriage. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and, and people look out and because everyone's got a fucking marriage like that, it's like, well, it's normal. Like what else is there? Actually, you know what? There is so much more possible. You can have a lit up, juicy marriage. And I know that because we are 14 years in and we're at the best point we've ever been by a long shot, but we have gone to every place within our marriage and within ourselves to actually create that. And this is part of what my rant was before on Facebook was that I'm just so frustrated when people say, I want to improve my marriage. I want to improve this. I want to improve that. But you know what? So yeah, you're going to have to do this. Oh no, I can't do that. It's too scary. In that case, choose to have a shitty marriage. (laughs) But sometimes we don't, like you're saying, we don't even realize that we're tolerating something shitty or that we're living something mediocre until someone sort of comes along and somehow blinds out, blows our mind open or something does that makes us realize there's there's more out there. Um, exactly. You touched on, in your career change, you touched on that niggling feeling like something's missing or something's not right. And then obviously before that, there was just a point where things were so dark and painful that you were forced to change. Um, if someone's listening to this and they're, they're kind of starting to assess their life and think, well, maybe something does need to change. I mean, what are the, what are the indicators we should be looking for in ourselves or what is, what is the catalyst that gets us really starting to ask for more from life? I think we're, we've always got, we're always, um, have some guidance talking to us. Yeah. And I think the thing is that most of the time, um, we're, we're so blocked, we're blocked, we're congested. Um, the volume of the fear is turned up way louder that it's kind of drowning out that guidance. And, you know, it takes courage to actually, uh, be able to drop in underneath that and listen to it. Um, but, but it's there. It's there. And I think for me, for example, in terms of the suffering point in my life, the noise of fear, it was booming like on a loudspeaker and then the voice of God, I could not even hear any guidance until um, when I talked about sometimes we need to crack, like something has to crack open to then, you know, for me in those moments of cracking open, then that's when actually there was like, like an actual shift during that time and I could actually hear something. We all get little windows. Sometimes it happens when someone's died. You know, something significant happens in our life and we have this crack open or this window opens up where we kind of get this little bit of a jolt of perspective and then we go, oh, and we know it. Like we know it in ourselves that there's something more or something we need to deal with. 
But what happens is most people delay actually doing something and then the, the door shuts again. So we're, I think we're getting little taps on the shoulder aren't the t- all the time, aren't we? We're getting like an inner feeling or we're getting a, little signs about things. But you're right, we are really ignoring it most likely until it gets too painful. Can you take us back to that time, obviously, when you were really, really struggling with the eating disorder and the social anxiety and not leaving the house? How did you even begin to crack open? Like what, what, what happened then to start the process for you? So I'm a big fan believer in that the moment a door opens or a window opens, you actually have to do something right then and there, regardless of which end of the scale you're on as you're listening to this podcast, whether you're in survival, whether you are tolerating a good life, both are equally subtle. Mm. Um, You know, the moment a window opens, and it could even be in this podcast, like these windows can come from anywhere, these little taps can come from from anywhere, please don't wait until the tap on your shoulder is like, a four by two smashing you over the head because if you ignore them now that four by two is coming, you've got to believe it. And sometimes it can be things like cancer or all sorts of things. We're designed to wake up, but we resist the shit out of it. Mm. The moment, the moment the door opens, you've got to take action and it might just be a crack in the door. You have to actually stand up and do something different. So for example, bulimia, I was in, uh, I was lying on the floor next to my toilet I was 18 years old and I'm lying there. I have vomit all down the front of me. I have blood down the front of me. I was vomiting blood at that stage. And there was a crack of insight where I had this this thud in my chest and this brick in my gut where I realized, fuck, this is what I'm doing to myself. Now, as you're listening to this, you can totally relate this to your marriage. You can relate this to the level of which you've shut yourself off to life, like relate it to anything, how you're showing up as a parent. Like the moment you get that brick in your gut and you have a moment of insight, you have to stand up and you have to do something about it. And the doing something is like putting something in place that starts a chain reaction. So luckily at 17 or 18 or whatever I was, I had enough insight in that moment um, to stand up dry myself off with a towel and walk straight to the telephone. And so I didn't know who to ring and I looked through the phone book and I rang a helpline and that was it. That then caused a chain reaction, right? So I rang the helpline, gave them my number. The next day someone, you know, I spoke to someone that night. The next day um, someone rang me. We put, you know, things were put in place and then I just had to show up, right? Mm. I didn't want to. Um, then I had to show up every every day for the next three years that it took me to, like really fight for myself after that. But the thing is, I, in a moment of the door opening, I stood up, I did something different, and I caused a chain reaction with one simple action. See, most people think, oh, but how do I change it in the moment? No, you don't have to change anything in the moment. You have to do one thing different that will cause momentum outside of yourself. And the thing is, those things are always so simple. They, they always are things like send an email, pay for something, talk to someone, reach out, request help, like voice, right? Mm. So the second time, a few years later, I'm maybe three or four years later, I'm four or five, I don't know, whatever. I was lying on the floor in my bedroom, could not stand up. I couldn't walk. I had just finished a year of being on the hardest drugs around. And, you know, I, and once again, crack of insight, thud in my gut, realize, holy crap. So I crawled to the kitchen, like literally dragged myself and I rang. I got support and then I kept telling people what was happening because it needed to come out into the light. Now it's exactly the same as anything. Um, and I will, I mean, now, now let's cross over to the other end of the spectrum 
for the people listening to this who aren't in survival mode who are like, I want to take my business to the next level, mm. and who are also feeling extremely stuck around that. Like I spoke to a coach yesterday, um, and her business is totally stalled. It's been stalled for years. She's feeling very frustrated, and then yet her social media image does not portray that. And that's part of the frustration. And she's like, well, what do I do? Well, actually, yeah, you've got to do something different. So, like, for example, in that respect, if, um, like, a stake in the ground, you know you've got to put a program out, right? A stake in the ground would be actually in the moment of a crack of inspiration, what's one thing you could do? Pick up the phone, book the venue for where, for example, you're going to um, hold the workshop and pay for that venue and have it a certain date and have it locked into your diary before you do anything else. Pay the whatever it costs to book the venue. Then guess what? You get off the phone and five minutes later, you are committed. This is the whole way I've lived my life is that then um, we wanted to create, for example, um, a big retreat in Bali. We'd never been to Bali before. So the first thing we did was we booked in Jack Canfield and we paid for him. So he was going to be the guest speaker. So you bet your ass that by the time Jack Canfield is booked in and paid for, we did everything we could. Like we showed up on every level to get that retreat filled mm. because there was commitment, right? That particular launch, we earned quarter of a million dollars. Now, if we hadn't have done that one thing, right, it's the exact same thing. Cracking the door opens. You know you want to do something. You have to take massive action right then and there to create the momentum. And then literally what happens is that you then show up to meet that ripple effect. That's all it really is. I bet there is a, um, I don't know if it was Tony Robbins, someone said it, like never walk away from the scene of an insight without taking action. Because I think a lot of us do that is we have the realization and we feel an element of relief of, oh, cool. Okay. I've had a little insight around this. It feels a little bit better, but what you're saying is what actually creates the change and then starts pulling us out of the pit and into progress is when we actually then in that very moment, take a step that's a forward movement step towards where we want to go. And, and I love what you're saying about commitment that you have to then rise to honor the commitment you've just then made which is by bringing either someone in to support you or locking something in around your dream or it's really really powerful I think a lot of us are are underestimating the power of action or even just that one baby step that will be the very thing in that moment that will pull us out of where we are people will use all sorts of sneaky methods in order to stop them and sometimes even spiritual beliefs or personal development beliefs can also become part of those barriers so I don't know how many people um, say things like, you know, there's the crack in the door, there's the moment of inspiration, and then, oh, and then I'll just see if the universe will work it out for me. Mm. Like, how ridiculous. Or, you know, then we go into a whole heap of stories or even like, oh, you know, I'm just going to sit with it for a little bit longer or it's not the quite right time or I'm just going to wait for a sign or or let's let's go into talking about our excuses, our stories, our fears. So, you know, say in that moment we do feel the action step and we're like, okay, cool, if I'm going to move forward, this step needs to be taken. You talk about this quite a lot in your work of then that that feeling of pulling back that retract that contraction that resistance that comes in that is the fear that wants to pull us back um how do you support people to work through that is it just a matter of just still showing up anyway what do we do when that kind of fear or resistance presents i think first of all understanding what it is Mm. like and not understanding it from a theoretical point of view um like 
understanding it in terms of really having insight into, oh, so in the moment, this is what is actually happening. It feels like this, it's occurring like this, but what's actually fueling it is this. And when people actually get that, then that makes a significant shift. But I think the thing is we have, um, I actually think this is like almost, um, could even upset people saying this, but I actually think sometimes the personal development as an industry has sometimes got in the way of us actually really getting the truth of it because so much out on social media is is polished and media ready and marketing and it shows one side of what it actually looks like. But the reality of it in the moment is that it feels messy. Like growth feels messy and it's okay to feel messy. But when we're expecting it to feel one way or expecting it to look one way, in the moment it gets misperceived, misunderstood and then seen as something else, we make meaning that this shouldn't be like this, or we believe the stories that we are telling ourselves in our head and all the reasons that our fear is picking up on and and zooming in on. And then we use those as the reasons to hold us back. So many people are experiencing this one step forward, one step back kind of dance in life. Not really, really knowing how to just be be okay with being uncomfortable. Like, it's okay. It's really okay to be uncomfortable. We don't have to just keep getting to happy. And when we're just seeking happy and feel good, we're actually avoiding the messiness that it takes to go through stuff to actually really sometimes create those changes. And I feel like sometimes what's happening is people are spiritually bypassing their own growth work. And I'm wondering how we go about that process of understanding and exploring that you had mentioned kind of the the need somehow to have an understanding of what the resistance is without kind of getting lost in it because <laughs> I think then there are sometimes that we can just be like oh no I need to do my inner work before you know I can move forward so how do we sort of strike this balance of having the the courage to go in and fully look at it but not kind of then wallow in it I suppose oh totally totally in fact I feel like um I feel like I bridge that gap in between each taking massive action. Like we take massive action on a daily basis. We also don't step over what's underneath. Everything gets addressed, things get felt, um, but it's not spinning the story and getting stuck in the story. Does that make sense? Yeah. Is it So is it more of a feeling-based thing than a head thing? I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this. I, I want to give a strategy, but I'm reluctant to. Mm. I think people get so attached to strategies but saying that, I'm going to give something, okay? <laughs> really, I really, like, that's so important for people to get. But it's like, people's like, how do I do it? What's the strategy? What's the next step? Actually be willing to feel, be willing to show up, be willing to take action anyway, be willing to be with discomfort. Number one, people are unwilling to feel. So the moment things feel intense, then that becomes a signal to go back or to change direction. So saying that, um, I have a little thing that is called, I, let's say, step, pause, step, pause, step, pause. So step is to take massive action forward. And sometimes the steps can be like a little step. It can be like a phone call, a email, like things that, as I said before, small actions that create a massive uh, ripple effect and momentum. And then in the moments where you're feeling really kind of um, – like when you're actually like really shifting through big comfort zones and you're taking big stuff on, that really does activate all of the old safety mechanisms. It activates the old set points of where your identity is set at. Mm. And this is really what we're talking about here is how do we navigate 
the activation of old identity when we're creating new identity. That's a really big space to navigate through, and I would really advise people to actually have – like if you're, if you're not masterful at doing it in terms of you've done it for years and years and years, have someone on board with you because it will occur in the moment like the truth. And then outside of that, just if you can think of this step, pause, step, pause. So you take action, that's a step. Then when you have all the activation, pause there, hang out and feel it and, and be okay with feeling discomfort and move with it. But the thing is to not um, to try not to get caught up in the story in, in the head. Mm. It's the story that will have us trapped. But actually, it's okay to feel. It's okay to hold sensation in our body. That's the thing. And I think this sounds simple, but really um, in the moment, it's actually quite challenging. And then and then when you do that and you've hung out there for enough, is that to step again, step again, step again. And this can be really fast. Like sometimes, in all honesty, Connie, I might step, pause, step, pause a um, hundred times in a day if I'm really taking yeah. on something, you know, and but but you notice that step pause a hundred times in a day, I still take a hundred actions. Yeah. While I'm also honoring what the fuck's underneath. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um yeah. I've I've been learning a lot about how we sort of can reframe our relationship with discomfort because I know in the past for me, and I hear it a lot with people, we, we feel that that pang of discomfort, however it manifests in the body. And that's often our sign. We, we take that as a sign to stop or something's wrong here. Something's going wrong. I need to analyze this or stop or, or yeah, yeah. you know, step away. And, and what I've sort of learned how to do is like d- dance with the discomfort, move with the discomfort, just let it be there with me. Like I kind of every a lot of the steps I take these days have discomfort with them and I sort of just let it hang out with me as I'm moving forward. And I think that's an important reframe is to not – to not have to wait for the discomfort to go away before you act. You sort of are bringing it with you. Perfect. Beautiful. And you said something really cool before, and I just want to go into it again because it's the first time I've heard anyone say it, about when you go to step into your new identity, it will activate your old identity. Can you elaborate on that for me? Because I find that really interesting. Definitely. We all have like a boundary point where our identity is set. And then it's like it's, the most inner point of our, of who we are when before we go to like the level of soul and spirit. So I'm not talking on the level of soul and spirit. I'm to, talking about on the level of earthly, who we see ourselves at, as, who we know ourselves as. And so there is a set point of where that identity is. And we have boundaries all around it, little fences, little walls. The process of real transformational growth is actually altering that identity set point. And so we're looking at old identity and new identity. And this is really the crux and the core of the change work that we're doing when it's real change work, right? And so anything that we are stepping into that's new challenges that. And that's where our little core baseline mm, little child fears are. And there are so – there is – armies of defenses around that like literally we're defended up to the wazoo to keep um that core identity in place and in fact people will um fight to the end to keep their identity in place which is why actual real transformational change really does um take something because that's what we're dealing with and is identity 
when just to elaborate on that for people, is that mean what we believe about ourselves, how we perceive ourselves, what we, um, our, yeah, how would we sort of define what our identity is? Is this just what we've learned about ourselves throughout our life? Yeah. So beliefs are beliefs, beliefs are what we believe and we've got beliefs around the world, but the beliefs about who we are is our identity. So it's who do we believe ourselves to be and it's everything. And yeah, it's absolutely created early, early, early in childhood. So, and you know, in the first five years, 80% of our beliefs are in place. Um, first eight years of our childhood, um, 90, sorry, 50% and then 80% by the time we're eight. So it's all laid down in childhood. And um, to actually alter the structure of how we see ourselves is the most challenging thing we can do. So it's easier to change environment. It's um closer in than that it's easier to change beliefs than environment um sorry sorry it's easiest to change your environment closer in than that it's a little bit more challenging to change our beliefs closer in than that it's even more challenging to change our values because our values come from there and then even closer in that the most challenging thing to change is actually how we see ourselves and, and so every time we're going through some type of up-leveling or expansion, we're almost then, we're having to up-level who we are and, and how we see ourselves. And is that what makes it so challenging? Because we're almost having to step into new versions of ourselves, aren't we? Absolutely. And that's why it also can be a really fun game. So in terms of, hey, I really want this in my life. So, so let's say that, hey, I really want this in my life. And then people then get closer to it, like, because Dreams are fun until we get really close to them and then like and reality happens of okay, I'm gonna choose this today rather than just um telling myself the lie of someday. Someday I'll get round to it, someday I'll get round to it. And you know, people do that for their entire lives and then on the deathbed realise that someday was a lie. So actually going, you know what, I'm gonna claim that and then creating that as the this is what I'm committing to, creating mass, like taking massive action in the moment. So you're actually causing a ripple effect that it becomes like done deal. And then here's the thing to actually then cause something that you've never had before, you actually have to be different. It requires a new you, right? So, like, for example, the level to which we have created our marriage at has required a new me to operate at that level. So it's easy to go, I want a, I want my marriage to be like this, but old me could not handle this level of marriage, right? So yeah, we committed, and this is like swinging right back to the start of this conversation. This is why I get, um, what I was talking about is that people say, I want that, but they're not willing. They're not willing to change do the work and change how they see themselves. And it's mm-hmm. equally equally the same in business. Like if you actually want a, for example, you know, Hen and I, we started off in our business years ago. We were, um, I remember our first program, you know, we charged like $400 for a 12-week program. And, you know, mm-hmm. it was like $50 a night. And it was in person. There was only 12 week, you know, 12 people in the program. It was really intimate and intensive. And um, that was such a huge stretch and like that took everything for us to go to that point and actually start charging because before that we did it for two years for free, right? So we had to do a little incremental shift and then it required newness of us and we had to change our identity. It was scary and then over time it became normal and it became how we knew ourselves, right? And then to go from there to actually then charging like four and a half grand, like there was still a couple of in- incremental steps before that. But the first time we charged four and a half grand, I felt like I was going to be sick. Like how, who I knew myself was not that. Then over time, that became just what it was. 
then, you know, for example, the last launch we did last year where we earned a quarter of a million dollars just in one launch, like that really, when we first set out to that, that wasn't how we knew ourselves. But making that level of commitment, that required us to literally be a different way. Then coming through that, you know, like that's now the level that we operate at. Does this make sense? It makes perfect sense. I'm so fascinated by this because I I can very much relate my own personal process of moving through that um, expansion, the way you're talking about it. But hearing someone talk about it in this way is, it's it's really so obvious. And I think a lot of us aren't, like we can't figure out why we're finding this whole process so hard sometimes. And we know what we want. And I think a lot of us are frustrated at ourselves. I get frustrated at myself when I'm like, why the heck can't I just do the things that I know I want to do that are good for me? But but there is, there's like an inner metamorphosis that needs to happen and a rebirthing of who we are in that moment to then step up to what this next level of desire or, or reality will require of us and who we have to be to function in it we are addicted to seeking strategies we're addicted to knowing what how do I do it life is way more messier than that and I think fundamentally and look and look I'm actually someone who teaches strategy but I'm saying mm. this from the point of view that I really really want people to actually get that it's okay to be messy that it's okay to have desires it's okay to feel uncomfortable it's okay to want more it's okay to take action. It's okay to take action while you're feeling messy. And then just know that that's all part of a soup and then trust yourself. Yeah, okay. I get you. I get you because even, you know, I'm probably having an interesting insight about myself at, at this point where I look at the process of expansion and probably spend too much time in my head trying to understand it, but, yeah. which probably a lot of us are doing, but I can see that now as part of my process versus where you just go okay blur let's just go take the step it might be messy it could I could fail it could be a fuck up but what's the step let's just take it <laughs> yes 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 yeah. and that that right there what you've just said mm. that like that applied consistently will get you anywhere and you'll develop within yourself the resourcefulness see I think that's the thing is that yeah. we're still constantly looking for people to give me the strategy give me the answer give me the steps that step might might apply to them in their in their life for example the shoes that fit me perfectly are perfect for me today when I'm going for a walk in Bali but on Saturday night when I go on a, this fucking awesome date with Hennadi that we have planned I'm certainly not going to use the shoes that I'm walking in today because they won't fit for then right yeah. and then my shoes are size 12 like Connie what size are your feet they're eight, I think. Mm. Yeah, right. So if I, like, my shoes rock on my feet and then I mm. give them to you and you'll be swimming in them and it's like these are really uncomfortable because you need shoes that are perfectly designed for you and I think we have to trust ourselves and have open dialogues and share, like, and that's why I share so publicly about my own process and my own stuff because I'm not serving anyone if I'm showing a mask and I'm showing people just the end product all the time because then people don't get permission to also experience their juicy messiness in life and take action anyway and honor themselves anyway and play with it anyway because literally if we just do exactly what you just summarized mm. so powerfully when we each do that and are willing to step that step into that for ourselves that's when the, the lid blows off the roof 
Yeah, I'm really getting a sense of that. And that just, it, it ties in so beautifully to the authenticity that you teach as well, which, you know, I think we, we feel really vulnerable around our, our own authenticity sometimes because of where we want to be perfect, we want to be pretty, we want other people to like us. Um, but the authenticity that I see flow through you is that, right, today I'm on live stream and I'm just feeling pissed and angry. And then tomorrow I'm on live stream and I'm crying. And then the next day I'm like fist pumping because we've just hit a massive goal. And that's just the, the full expression of this, all the human emotions we'll feel along the growth process. Um, and the authenticity, just let that be seen and expressed and heard, right, rather than having to I don't know, make it look pretty or perfect to put it in a box. Yeah, I made a commitment to myself um, a long time ago, and I've got to say it's been a process to step into that yeah. because I said, you know, old identity, new identity. Um, but my commitment was that I'm not going to dial down in my extraordinariness because to, I really love who I am, and I'm actually up to some really cool shit in the world, so I'm not going to dial that down and pretend that I'm not. I'm also not going to hide and pretend that I'm not experiencing massive humanity on the journey. And isn't that up to us to not be afraid of or in shame of any of that yeah. fear or that darkness? Because I think a lot of us are still trying to hide it away. Absolutely. And it's amazing how that this universal shared thing of shame, which I've got to say, shame is a big one for me too. Mm. Like really is. And it's still something I deal with. Shame, fear, anxiety but big time shame like shame about like if we really nuts down and I just went right direct to the core shame about who I am and I can totally bring that back to I know where it was created blah 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 I remember lying you know I remember all the rest but but the fact is it still plays out it's still very active at times and the thing is and please if, if okay if you're listening to this podcast like if you heard nothing else please just hear this one thing we're waiting to get rid of shame. We're waiting to get rid of the feeling of not good enough. The thing, the only thing I've learned over the last 15 years of doing this work so much is that I'm no longer waiting to get rid of it. I'm no longer even trying to get rid of it. I don't even give a fuck that it's there. That in itself is mind-blowing. To not try to get rid of it, just to be like, okay, cool, maybe this is going to be here forever. It doesn't have to stop me, though. Yeah, it was, you know, the, the big the big video I did, big Facebook rant just before? <laughs> yeah. There was a little part of me activated and that was still there. Yeah. It's, it said to me in my head before I went on, you can't say that. It'll be offensive to people. Good on you. And then I carried on anyway. That part of me, you know, I get it. She's kept me, she's tried to keep me safe. She's had beautiful intentions. I'm also not trying to get rid of her from that point of view or demonize her and try, let's get rid of all the negative beliefs within me. No, no, you know, like she's just part of my humanity. She's just there. She's act she actually kept me safe as a child. And I thank her and I honor her, but um, she's certainly not the one writing my life. Do you work with her, her energy with love and kindness and just some self-support and compassion I mean we don't want to um again like waddle that or coddle that energy within us but I do hear a lot of people being like get rid of the ego and destroy yeah. your limiting beliefs and oh, fight oh. against and yeah I don't that doesn't vibe with me either no no absolutely look here's I'm going to say this really simply I don't breastfeed her but I also, um, I'm playful with her and like sometimes, you know, like literally there'll be a playful energy with her or a loving energy or a little bit of a straight energy. Yeah. 
Yeah. So probably three of the energies I bring to her, but I certainly do not breastfeed her and grow her. So what are you really stepping into at the moment? Can you share with us what you're expanding into or what comfort zone you're breaking through at the moment on your own personal journey? So many levels. Um, and I think that's the thing is my, both myself and Hinari, who is my husband, and we do this work together, we're constantly taking this work on in multiple levels. So um, it's in parenting at the moment, it's in my marriage at the moment, it's in how I'm relating to myself in the moment, and it's our business. So it's all of those four, and those are my four key core pillars that I'm constantly um, working on. I don't really have a lot of interest in other things, and I think that's um, – and I'll answer your question really directly mm. soon, but I was going to say this first, is that um, I'm not a big thing of you can have it all. I think you can have the things that you really want when you get really clear about what it is that you actually want, like what's really important to you and what will be important to you when you're on your deathbed, and then be really courageous to say no to everything else. Um, so for me, the four pillars are non-negotiable is my relationship to myself first, my relationship with Henari, my husband, and the like the quality and the juiciness of that, um, how my kids are experiencing themselves and the world. I've got two children and then my contribution on the planet. So those are my four non-negotiable pillars. And I say no to pretty much everything else. Um, even to the point of we have designed our entire life that everything else is delegated. You know, I have a full-time assistant at home. I have, um, seven full-time employees so that they take everything right so that I can focus on constantly up-leveling in these four areas. So what does that look like for our marriage? We are really um, taking uh, sexuality, joy, and connection and intimacy on a level that we have never experienced before, which is really juicy. Like, So, for example, this Saturday night, we have the ultimate date night planned, and it's, we've been planning it for two months. And it's really beautifully created, and it's just it's insane what we have planned together. Mm. Um, but you know, that has been two months in the creating of it and, you know, just there's lots of stuff. Um, we even actually last year and this, this, you know, can challenge people and some people, even when they hear this can then think, um, have their own stories that come in the way, but I'm going to say it anyway, because I'm a real stand for, um, us willing and able to get out of our own old paradigms. And sometimes to do that, I actually challenge people by sharing, some next level stuff. So last year, my husband and I, we've been together for 14 years. We had a threesome. Uh, I don't know if you'd seen that on social media. No, I, shared I hadn't. It. Didn't know about it. Yeah. So um, the reason why, you know, for a number of years for me personally, I was really sexually shut down. Now, when I say that, yeah, I, we had sex. We, I just say like really normal. But, and I think normal because so many women are sexually shut down. And there's all the reasons of what contributed to it, the shame, like sexual shame, um, sexual repression, um, sexual trauma that I'd experienced at one point. And so even though, yes, we had a sex life and at times, you know, sex could be good and I can definitely, could definitely orgasm, this like tolerating that and saying like, oh, that's all there is because that's all I've known. I'm sure there's nothing more available. And actually going, you know what? I am not here just to settle for that. I'm actually willing to play a game and explore what is possible for me around sexuality in my lifetime. So from there, I started a journey, and it was a three-year journey starting right from actually going from feeling quite sexually castrated to my vagina, 
to actually starting to reconnect to her again and to then release shame and to be okay with myself as a sexual being and as a sexual woman. And it was a, it was a huge journey that I went on mm. and it ended up in towards um, maybe about September or August last year. Then we um, had a threesome and that was also consciously navigated for one year, you know, for about a year leading into it. And we got really, and so it wasn't just, and I hear a lot of people saying, oh, I've done that. It was really toxic. Yes, it could be be extremely toxic if it wasn't consciously navigated and if it was fueled by the wrong reasons and if it was an unconscious experience. So we consciously navigated it for a year. We got really clear on what our intention was, what our intention was, what we were um, hoping to get from it, what we were, um, how we would navigate the experience, um, you know, just the whole thing, very consciously communicated. And i got to tell you, Connie, it was an extraordinary experience. <laughs> like, holy crap. <laughs> um, after that, like, I really, I felt like I walked around for about two weeks, like, with, I felt like my hips were swaying. If I was a pussycat, my tail would have been, like, swaying from side to side. Like, I just felt insanely sexy Mm. and you know I'm going to be dead one day one day I'm going to be this crinkly gorgeous old 80 year old and I'm going to look back and I'm going to go you know what good on me high five me I did that Mm -hmm. I had the courage to play a game in that area and to experience something and like I said you know that opened up a part of ourselves together that we got to share together that we wouldn't have um experienced and oh my gosh it opened up our sexuality together it was beautiful Mm, wow yeah wow and how about in business what are you expanding or even in yourself personally because I think business and personal sometimes intertwine when we're doing very personal work in the world but what's what are you expanding into at the moment or or even breaking through in yourself yeah I think for me it's um, definitely next levels of truth um and I think it's it's constantly that for me um constantly um where am I holding back where am I feeling shame and then adjusting how I come across and then going there and showing up for myself and then doing the work and then stripping that back speaking about the threesome is relatively new in the last couple of months yeah wow and that was first of all really scary because it activated all of those fears um what would people say would people misunderstand it You know, and then, but I think what's cool about this work and what I really love about this work, it gets to show me where that little old me, little fear me comes up, and then I get to go there. Mm. Um, Yeah, and just constantly just addressing that on new levels. And I know that the more I'm willing to go there and actually be seen, essentially, um, the more so much more opens up. It's kind of like, I feel, I feel we're living inside of an apartment, um, like a little um, Japanese microcapsule apartment. And we're living in that and existing and thinking that that's all of who we are. And then getting to do this work and really going to the places that we haven't yet explored and haven't expanded into and we consciously go there and consciously navigate that, whether it's with sexuality, whether it's with my, with our power, oh, yeah, that's something I'm definitely working on at the moment, mm. and playing inside of what does it look like, Kate, as like a, like an, like a powerful woman who's okay to be angry. And then it's like, from that kind of work, we, we keep uncovering little doors that come off our apartment and it's like, oh, shit, what's behind this? <laughs> this is like a penthouse suite. And, hey, I actually own it. And I've been, like, hanging out in that pull-out sofa my whole life and there's, like, this super California bed, you know? Yeah. It's just We're just uncovering parts of ourselves. But that's the thing. It's, it's actually scary work. And a lot of people want the results 
mm. of that work, but they're not willing to um, go through what it takes to open the doors. Yeah, and it's it's it is going to be an uncomfortable process. It is really not. I mean, I think there's a lot of joy and aliveness and that feeling of expansion and freedom that can come when you have really stepped on the other side of something. But for most, the most part, you're really pushing through a lot of that discomfort. But I think when you're on this journey and you're really fiercely committed to it, it's actually, that's actually really fulfilling and exciting. And it's what makes life interesting and it's what adds meaning. And so I think it's just really opening up to, as you've touched on numerous times, the messiness of it and letting it all just be a bit messy and uncomfortable. That doesn't mean that anything's going wrong at all. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. If there was a final message you could leave my audience with, what would it be? What do you feel to say or share? Yeah, thank you. Um, Trust yourself and trust your journey and be willing to feel and to relearn feeling and to feel uncomfortable Mm. um, in the process as you're actually taking action and stepping up. Mm. Mm. Thank you. Amazing. Can you share as well um, where we can find out more about you, what you've currently got going on in the next couple of months and um, what people should do to get involved and find out more about what you're up to? Definitely. So um, you can connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. So at Kate Marie O'Brien, and Marie is M-A-R-E-E. So at Kate Marie O'Brien, and also if you go to katemarieobrien.com, there's a free training there which actually um, shows the distinctions of what I'm teaching here. Perfect. I'll put links to all of that below um, the show episode and in the notes as well. So people can just click over and start. I recommend getting on your Facebook lives. Your videos are incredibly powerful. So I really recommend people check all of them out. But Kate, thank you so much for your time and for your realness. I've absolutely loved having the opportunity to speak with you. Pleasure, Connie. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. And thank you to everyone who's been tuned into this week's episode of Awaken Radio. I look forward to speaking to you guys next week. Lots of love. Bye.